Welcome to the New Life Podcast. Here we want you to experience the grace of God. So through this sermon, we hope to come alongside you as you grow in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about New Life, please visit our website at newlifeonline.org. Here's today's message. See, we are beginning a new series for the Christmas season, and we're calling it It's Him. It's Him. It's all about Jesus. And we're going to be looking at a few different themes that are often associated with Advent. I don't know if you grew up going to church, and if you grew up going to a church that that was very liturgical or kind of did these regular sorts of practices, you might know some of these things. But if you didn't, then this might be new to you. But that's okay, because we're going to be looking at the four primary themes of Advent. Hope, joy, love, and peace. And today, we're going to start with hope. Because that's what this text is all about. It's all about hope. And what we're going to see is that sometimes we have the tendency maybe to put our hope in things that that we shouldn't or, or that really that won't last. They won't come through for us. But the Christmas season is all about coming back to Jesus because he is the one who can come through. We can put our hope in him and he will come through for us. And I hope to show you through this sermon today, but then the series, that that Jesus is the one that we can put our hope in. And so our goal for this entire series is to center our focus back on Jesus. That's our goal. That's what we want to do. That's why we're titling it, It's Him. It's simple. That is, it's Him. Everything comes back to Him. We want to put our eyes and set our focus on Jesus. And so that's what this series is going to do. We're going to come back to Jesus over and over again. It's easy to, to get lost in, in all the things that come with Christmas. You know, we've got Christmas parties and, and family gatherings and, and people that we get together. If we go shopping and give gifts and, and we've got all these obligations, it's good. These are good things. But we hope that each Sunday morning as we gather together that we're going to remind ourselves that's all about Jesus and we want to put our eyes back on him afresh. So today we're going to talk about hope. And we're going to see that Jesus is the one to whom we can turn, the one we can put our eyes on, and the one that we can put our hope in. And that's what we want to cover today. So I invite you, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. We're going to be looking at the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now, we're not going to read all the story. We're going to focus primarily on what he says, like this proclamation that he makes. But I want to tell you a little bit of what happens around that story and, and what else is going on. So Luke chapter 1, we're going to be looking, looking at this story. Now, put your finger in that place for just a moment because I, I want to talk about a couple of key ideas before we dive into the text, particularly this word hope. What do we really mean by that? So that's where we're going to start. So what, what is hope? Like we, we throw that word around a lot, right? Like we say things like, oh, I hope this is going to happen. Like, what does that word really mean? Well, I want to start by the common use of the word and to say that that is not what hope is. So here's here's what hope isn't. It's not a feeling of desire for a particular outcome. It's not this feeling like, oh, I hope there's there's this thing that's going to happen. Like that feeling, that desire for, for a particular outcome. I hope that there is chocolate ice cream waiting for me in the lobby when we're done today. That, that's wishful thinking, right? Like, I, I want some chocolate ice cream that's great, but is that likely going to happen? Probably not, right? Like, there's no chocolate ice cream out there to my knowledge right now. Now, it would be awesome if it were, but 
It's kind of wishful thinking, right? Like, and we say that a lot. We hope something's going to happen. Like, oh, I hope this happens. I hope it doesn't rain Saturday, but we're not certain. You know, okay, weather helps. You know, you can get on the weather app or whatever. But like, there's this, just this desire for a certain kind of outcome, right? It's kind of wishful thinking. And I think a lot of times we'll use the word that way, right? Like, I, I wish something happens or I hope something happens. That's common use. And, and it's helpful. But today, we're talking about the biblical concept of hope. And that is not this. The biblical concept of hope is much deeper, much richer. It's actually way more robust. And I want to define it this way. This is my definition. A confident expectation and firm assurance of a particular outcome. Confident expectation. Like, there's, I'm, I'm confident in this. I am, like, solid in this. Like, I expect it to happen. Confident expectation. And it's firm. That assurance, it almost feels kind of guaranteed, like you, you have that like weight behind it. That is actually what the word hope means in the Bible. So when you see that word, this is what it's bringing to bear. Now, again, we probably don't often use this in everyday language. We, we aren't talking with the word hope quite like that, and that's okay. But just know that when we're reading the Bible and when we come across this word, it means this. It's confident. There's expectation, like, I'm looking for this to happen. I'm assured that it's going to happen. I am firm in that assurance. That is what the word means. And so keep that in mind as we're going forward because, again, when we're thinking about hope, when we talk about it, sometimes we think of this more wishful thinking kind of thing, but the Bible is so much deeper. It's looking at this reality of hope as a much larger reality. So if this is what hope is, how do we interact with it, especially in this story? Because the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, I think, starts out with them looking for hope. I think they were looking for hope. So um, if you want to look there, you can. I'm going to do a little bit of storytelling here about the first part of chapter 1 in Luke. So we're introduced right out of the gates to Zechariah. Zechariah, he's a priest, and he's serving in the temple. Like, this was his job. This was his role. And he was doing this as part, of, as part of his life. And so it tells us that he was a priest. And it tells us he and his wife, they were the par excellence. They were great people. They were blameless and, and righteous before the Lord. Like they did all the right things. They were like the, the people that you wanted to know and, and spend time with like, yeah, these are good people. But there's one problem. It says that they're infertile. They don't have any children. They can't have any children. And, and if you look back in that day, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but back then, like, the, the thought of having children was, like, kind of essential to life. Like, you're supposed to, to have kids and expand your family. Like, that was a sign of God's blessing. It was a sign that, like, you're being honored for who you are. And, and if you weren't, there might be something that you've done wrong or whatever. And, and, and that's kind of just a, a, an idea that subtly permeates the culture. And so Zechariah, Elizabeth, they're barren, and they're old. They've missed the opportunity. Like, the boat has sailed for them. They're not going to have children. That's just their lot. That's just the way things are going to be for them. They're, they're described, Luke tells us, they're, they're upright. They're good people. But they don't have any kids. So hold that thought. 
One day, Zechariah, he's in the temple. He's doing his job. It's his turn to be inside, and he's, he's managing things. And all of the sudden, an angel appears. Kind of out of nowhere, like not expecting it. He's just going about his business, and boom, there, there's this angel. And, and oftentimes when you see an angel show up, like people are dropping their knees. They're afraid, like this is scary, you know. A lot of times we think of angels, all oh, these sweet kind of harp kind of playing creatures. About, like, no, this is like a warrior kind of thing. Like you're scared, and he drops down, like, whoa. And the angels, don't be afraid. That's always what they say, right? Don't be afraid. And then the angel begins to tell him, you're going to have a son. You're going to have a son. You're going to name him John. And guess what John's going to do? He's going to be my messenger. He's going to prepare the way for the Lord's coming. He's going to show up and he's going to announce a new reality, forgiveness of sins, and proclaim that God is on his way. You're going to have a son. This is what Zechariah hears. And how does he react? What are you talking about? Like, really? Like, look at me. I'm old. My wife, same kind of thing. Like, what do you mean? How is this going to happen? And the angel, just to show you what I'm saying is going to be true, you are not going to be able to speak this entire pregnancy. No more are you going to be able to say any words because I want to show you what's happening here. This is a sign to you. This is a signpost. Every time you try to talk and you're not able to, is going to remind you what about, is about to happen. And so Zechariah walks out. He's been in there a while. Everybody's like, what took you so long? What were you doing? And he's like, I can't say anything. And he, so they like ride on a tablet or whatever. And eventually he communicates, something happened to me. And now I can't talk. And so this... This is reality. So he goes home and tries to communicate to Elizabeth. Like, this is what's happening for them. Now, pause on this for just a second. Remember, they're old. They're not supposed to be able to have children. Yet, here's an angel saying this is going to come true. Now, imagine, like, the, the tension of this. Like, it's overwhelming and what just happened kind of thing. But not long after... Elizabeth gets pregnant. Suddenly it's like, well, maybe there is something that's going to happen here. They were in a position where they were looking for hope. And God has shown up in a miraculous kind of way to say, like, I'm going to do something here. Now, they were living at a time where the nation of Israel was also looking for hope. They were in a time where, where they had been through the exile. They'd come back into the land, but yet God hadn't shown back up. They'd rebuilt the temple, but his presence wasn't there. And now they're oppressed by Rome. They're slaves again. They're, they're, they're under occupation. And they're looking for rescue and redemption. They're looking for hope. Is there, is there going to be something that happens here? Is God going to show up? Because... He said he would. You see, in the Old Testament, God had shown up to, to David and, and said, I'm going I'm to bring you an heir. Someone's going to come from your line who's going to sit on your throne forever. Whoa. And that person, that, that person is going to be my son. And they're going to lead and they're going to bring about peace and prosperity and justice. And so there's this idea of someone to come. 
from the line of David. The prophets take this and they run with it and and God shows more and more and they eventually call this one the Messiah. And Israel thought that this Messiah would show up and would set them free, rescue them, provide them the way out. They were looking for the hope of the Messiah. That's what they were ready for. That's what they were hoping for. They were looking for hope. I wonder if we are also looking for hope. I know I, I am. Like, I look at my own life and, and I see different things. Like, yeah, this is great, but man, this is not so, so good. And I want this to be better or different. And you, just, you hope things are going to change. I, I wonder if, if you kind of reflect and, and think about it. Like, do you, do you see in your life where there's just ways that you just want things to be better? Do you have hope that something's going to change? Maybe you're a parent and you've got kids, however old they are, but there's challenge there. And you're just like, how do, how do we parent in this? Like, how do we help our kids? Like, what can we do next? How do we, we come alongside them? What, what is it that we can do to kind of restore things? Like, maybe you've got challenge with your kids. Maybe you're faced with health challenges. You've gone to the doctor. Diagnosis, you know, maybe one way or the other, but like, you're hoping for, you're longing for some kind of way forward. Maybe you've got some broken relationships with family or friends. Christmas time comes up and you're going to see them again. It's like, oh, I just long for more here. I want some restoration. I want something to be better here. Are you looking for hope in, in, in relationships? Or maybe your job you're just like, I, I go every day, but like, ugh, it's empty and it's a drag and like, I don't want to do it anymore. Like, is there hope for this? My pack was knocked off. That was my fault. Sorry, everybody. There we go. I think I bumped it. I'm so excited. <laughs> so, did you catch all that? Like, it, it, are, you looking, are you looking for hope? Are you looking for hope? I think we're in a place where our church, we've gone through a lot. Uh, if you're new, you may not realize this, but our church has just merged our campuses. We were a two-campus church, and now we're, we're one, and we've brought our, our campuses back together. And, and for some of you, you might be like, oh, this is great. I'm so excited. I'm, I'm really hopeful for what's going to come. But some of you may be here, and you're like, there you go. Hey, there we go. Okay. Hopefully this will endure. <laughs> I did not check my batteries. I'm sorry about that. I apologize. Okay, so are we looking for hope? Because I think we're, we're always looking for it. And, and even as a church family, as we're walking into this new reality, maybe you're here and you're like, I'm hopeful. Like, I'm, I want this to be good, but I'm not sure. Like, how is God going to lead us for it as a church in this merged reality? Like, is there hope? Is there hope? We're, we're looking for it. We're looking for hope. Is there a way for it? Is God going to do something? And where, where can we find it? Where is there hope? I want to come back to Zachariah's story, and I want to look at the text that we read earlier where he makes this proclamation. So to, to connect the dots, Elizabeth gets pregnant. And, and he's going these nine months not being able to speak, but sure enough, baby's growing coming along, and finally the day arrives where he arrives. He's born. He's here. 
I mean, two years ago, they would have never imagined that they would have a son, and here he is. He's been born. And they call him John. Now, the rest of the family is like, wait, 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 John? There's nobody in our family named John. Like, why would you do that? And Elizabeth's like, no, his name is John. That's what we're supposed to call him. And, and then Zechariah, he said, his name is John. And then he's able to speak. And it's right here. He's saying, his name is John. He is being obedient. The angel said, here's what's going to happen. You're going to have a son, and you're to call him John. Earlier, he's like, well, I'm not so sure. And he's skeptical, and he kind of holds back. But here, he's stepping forward in faith, in trust, and obedience. Yes, his name is John. Zachariah can speak. And so what is it that he says? What is it that he offers as like, here's what I can say now that I can talk? And we get this beautiful poem, this prophetic sort of thing he offers, like, Here are the words that he speaks. So I would like for you to follow along, beginning at verse 67 in Luke chapter 1. We're going to read to see what Zechariah says. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And as he, said, as he said through his holy prophets long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. So pause there. So what Zechariah is first able to say is, the thing that comes out of his mouth is praise. Praise God. Praise God because he has come to his people and redeemed them. So what Zechariah is starting to realize is that what the angel was talking about was this Messiah. John is going to prepare the way for the Lord's coming through the Messiah. And it's happening And so what does he say? Praise God. He's coming to redeem. Now notice, he does pick up on it. Verse 69, I'll refer you back there. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. So like right here, he's picking up on this idea. The Messiah is coming. Sure enough, it's happening now. That's what he's talking about here. And so this language of horn of salvation, it's an echo back to David. It's back to his triumph as king. The horn of salvation, the proclamation, like we have victory In the battlefield, like, that's what's happening. The horn of salvation, God is showing up to rescue them, to fight for them. This is what he's promised, and now it's happening. But notice also that he references salvation that comes from our enemies, but then he talks about how he's shown mercy to our ancestors. He's shown mercy to our ancestors and remembers his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham. So verses 72 and 73, he's referencing back to the covenant that was made. He's saying, God, he showed up for Israel. And he made a covenant with them. You are my people. I'm your God. I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to make you a great nation. Like all of these kinds of things. Zechariah's bringing all that to mind. He's saying, God has made a covenant with his people. Well, now he's remembering it. 
and it's coming to fruition. So what, what is this all about? I'd summarize it like this. He is looking to the character of God. He's looking to the character of God. He can say, salvation is coming. Like, look at what God is doing. He's looking back to see how God had been faithful in the past and how he had he'd worked out his plan and how he'd worked through the people. That's what the covenant was all about. And then God made a promise, like, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to bring the Messiah. I'm going to bring the one from David's line. And now it's happening. So what God is showing himself to be is trustworthy. God is trustworthy. And so, thinking about hope, what Zechariah is doing here, like he's, he's looking and thinking about all these things and he's saying, it's based on God's character. We can have hope because of who God is. He's trustworthy. He's one who's faithful. He's one who comes through. We can have hope because of who God is. That's what Zechariah is pointing to. He's essentially saying, like, look at what God has done in the past. He's doing it now. We can trust him because this is who he is. This is his character. I'm curious. When you look at the things in your life, when you take these moments where it's like, man, I just I, I long for some hope or I long for better, like I wonder if, if we kind of reflect on where am I putting my hope? In what am I putting my hope? I think sometimes it is other things. It's circumstances, it's other people, it's, it's the things that we can control. But ultimately, those things will not come through for us. They will fall short. They, they won't come through. They won't be able to provide what we think they will. Like, they fall short. And I wonder if the way that we know that is this. The, some of these kinds of symptoms are, are things. Where is their fear? Where is their fear? Are we afraid of something? Where is their anxiety or worry? Where is their discontentment? Where were we unsettled in the wrong kind of way? Where is their anger or frustration? Where are we getting bothered and, and riled up on something? Where is their despair? I think all of these things, these five, six things, they, they point to us putting our hope in something else and that something else not coming through. What Zechariah is saying is Praise. Look how great God is. Like you can sense the joy and, and, and the excitement. Like that's not fear and that's not despair. That's not discontent. Like the contrast between those two things is the contrast of the object of our hope. It's the thing that we're placing our hope in. And what Zechariah wants to come in and say, it's about the character of God because he is trustworthy. So it's about God's character. But next, it's more than that too. Because God is trustworthy. He, he has this character. He's, he's operating in a particular way. But then he makes promises. And that's the next thing I want you to see. God promises a good future. So look at, at verse 76 with me. Zechariah continues on. And he's kind of speaking to John here. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. You will go before the Lord to prepare the way for him. To what? 
to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun, the dawn coming, will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. So he almost kind of speaks to John that's making this prophetic. This is what you're going to do. You're going to be the prophet who leads the way for the Lord. And what is the Lord bringing? He's bringing salvation for the forgiveness of sins. You see, remember, Israel, they're looking for a military leader. They're looking for someone to show up who's going to rescue them from Rome. What Zechariah is saying is that leader is going to come, but he's going to set you free from something else. He's going to set you free from your sins, from the brokenness, from the evil of this world. And he's going to shine a light on you, like the light of dawn. You're in the middle of the night, it's the darkness, but then the dawn starts to come and light begins to permeate everything. That is what God is about to do. This is a change of expectations. Israel is thinking for military, military freedom. God has something better in mind. He knew that they needed something deeper. They needed to be free from their sins, free from evil hearts and brokenness. That is what they truly needed. And so what God is doing here is he's doing what's best for the people, and it's good. So God is good, and he promises a good, bright future. And how do we know like that's where things are going? Keep going in the story. So if we we move forward from this moment, Zechariah's proclamation, what happens is Jesus is born. John prepares the way for Jesus to come, and Jesus is born as a baby. He grows up, becomes a man who's leading, ministering, and proclaiming good news. The kingdom's here. Repent, believe in me. Come with me. I will give you forgiveness of your sins. And sure enough, that's what he goes to do. See, this man was born to die, to die on a cross, but to die in our place because death needed to be undone. He takes all the burden of sin and brokenness and evil in this world. He takes it on himself and puts that on the cross with him, and he undoes the power that it has. And then what happens? He doesn't just stay dead. He is raised to new life. He is resurrected And this, this is the ultimate signpost. This is the ultimate seal. Jesus has been raised from the dead. He has power over death. And that is exactly what he's going to do next. He's going to bring life to where there's death in this world. And sure enough, the story is playing out where Jesus is going to come back. And he's going to bring all of that to fruition. What he started as his resurrection, he's going to bring to completion. That's his promise. I am coming back. That's what he says to us. And so what we see is this movement of history, movement of all things towards this Eden-like restoration. Everything is going to be as it should be. That is the promise. That is where the story is going. That is what Jesus came to do. He came to restore everything. That's his promise. And it's good. This is the bright future that we look forward to. But notice something. Where does this text fall? 
Jesus hasn't even been born yet. Jesus isn't really on the scene yet. They know he's coming, but it hasn't actually happened. Yet Zechariah can say these words because he knows this is God's promise. And as he's already illustrated or pointed to, God is trustworthy. He is a God who keeps his promises. And so we can trust him. We can believe him. We can go with him. And so he's looking forward to the reality that's going to come that God is promising, he's pointing us towards, even if it hasn't happened yet. But we, we get the benefit of being on this side of the cross and the resurrection. This happened 2,000 years ago. We get to see that Jesus did what he said he was going to do. He was raised. We have the signposts. And then we get to look forward knowing that God came through. He honored his promise that he said what he, what he was going to do, he did. And now we get to look forward to when he comes back and finishes the job. He promises this good and bright future. And he's, and he's pointing us towards that and we can trust him in it. This is the story. This is how things play out. And this is why we can have hope. This is where everything is heading. What we see from Zechariah, what I hope you see in this entire series is this. that From where does our hope come? It's him. And it's only him. Everything else is going to fall short. It's going to fail. It's not going to come through. There's nothing else that we can latch onto that will see it all the way to the end. But Jesus will. Because he's shown us that he's already willing to do that. He's shown us that he's capable of doing that. He has demonstrated that he has that kind of character. So, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were barren. They didn't really have a way forward. Like, that was kind of the end of the line, yet God made a way. And sure enough, they have a son. God said he would do it, and he did it. They can look at him and say, you are trustworthy, and you follow through on your promises. Israel, they needed freedom and redemption. They were looking for it in a particular way, but God gave them something even better. And we get to benefit from that too. Salvation from our sins, from the evil of this world. That is what God did. So I wonder if we can take the same kind of thing and we can have hope. Come back to like, you got challenged with your kids. Who can help you learn as a parent and grow with your kids? It's him. It's him. Maybe you're facing infertility or some kind of other health challenge, like is there a way or, or can someone heal and restore? It's him. Where there's brokenness in relationship, where you're sideways with a friend or a family member, can there be reconciliation? Can there be restoration? It comes from him. It comes from him. Who can make a way when we don't know how to pay the bills? Who can provide? It's him. Who provides meaning and purpose in all that we do, especially our jobs? It's him. It's him. Now let me be clear. Jesus doesn't promise to give us everything that we expect or that we would want. That's not the promise. Israel, they were looking for a military leader. They didn't get it. But he gave them exactly what they needed. The same is true for us. We might want something, 
We might want a different job or we might want something to happen a certain way. It may not happen that way. It may not be the way that we expect. But God, God will do what's best for us, even if we can't see it. Because that's who he is and that's what he's promised to do. And so there is hope, not wishful thinking, not I hope there's chocolate ice cream. Confident, assured, firm expectation. He will. He will come through. He will bring about this ultimate reality where everything is put right. We might live in the tension of things not being as they should be or even as we expect We might live in that for a while, but he promises to give us what we need and what's best for us. That, that is what Zechariah is pointing to. We can have hope. I think the same is true for our church. We've stepped into this new season, this new chapter as a merged church. And you might wonder, it's like, okay, what is God going to do? His promise is that he cares more about this church than we do. His promise is that he cares more about these communities than we do. And he is working. And if we align ourselves with him, if we say, like, we're going to follow you, Jesus, wherever you take us, he will do great things. I believe that. And so my commitment to you as our pastor is that I want to follow Jesus in everything that I say and do. Everything that I lead our church to do, I want to be following Jesus. That is where we belong, and we can have hope that this is good. So you might be here, and you're still trying to, like, I don't know, Lord, what you're going to do here. I don't know if, if he is asking you to stay, and this is it, but I know this, that he wants to work through us. And if we follow him, we're going to see some great things. Maybe soon, maybe down the road, but like we are participating in his mission in our communities. He wants to make a difference in Morton, in Peoria, in Washington, Tremont, Groveland. He wants to do a work in all of these communities. And we can join him in it. This is who he is, and this is his promise. So I'm I'm looking forward. I am excited. I am trusting deeply that this chapter is going to be a good one. So let's go with him. Let's follow him. Let's commit to what he is trying to do. Where is our hope? It's him. So, how do we actually do this? Like, what does it look like for us to step in to this kind of hope? I have three suggestions for you that I want to end with. So, what does it look like for us to live in hope, to to practice hope, if you will? Number one, it's remember. We want to remember what God has done. And I think it starts by knowing the story. Read the Old Testament. Read how God interacted with his people. Like, see his faithfulness played out. Like, remember what he has done. Remember what he's done in Jesus. Know the story as it's played out. Like, get familiar with it. Know how God has interacted with his people. We want to look back. We want to remember. We want to do that in the scriptures, but we also want to do that in our own lives. Now, Maybe you, you know, look back and you're like, I'm not sure where God was. That's okay. If you do have moments, like, remember his faithfulness. Remember how he's come through for you. Latch on to those. Know how he stepped up. Know how he has shown you who he is. 
But if you don't have many of the stories, you struggle to come up with them, ask somebody else. How have you seen God be faithful? Where have you seen these moments where I can remember with you God's faithfulness, his trustworthiness? We want to remember both the story and our stories. So remember. Number two, look forward. As much as we're looking back and kind of retelling the story, we want to look forward. We want to know how the story is going to end. So we know, we get to know that story. We, we read and play out, like, what is God going to do? And we get familiar with that side of the story as well. So here's the summary version. Like, Jesus is going to come back. Everything that he started, he's going to finish. And what that means is he's going to eradicate evil. He's going to eradicate injustice. He's going to eradicate all the things that don't belong. He's going to restore, bring flourishing, harmony. Everything is going to go back to Eden. He's going to bring it back to the way that it's supposed to be. That is the end of the story. No more mourning, no more crying, no more disease, no more death. That is the story. So we want to look forward. We want to tell the story as it's played out, but we also want to tell the story as it's going to play out and remind ourselves of that. So that's number two. And number three, we want to encourage one another with the story. We want to be in a circle of people where we can tell one another the story and we can help one another see our individual stories in the grand story. We want to be telling the story over and over again. This is, this is what God's going to do, and this is who he is, and this is how he is, and encourage one another with that. Because there's going to be moments where we lose hope, where we, we, we kind of feel like, oh, there's not a way forward. We feel that despair set in. That's going to happen. That's okay. We want to come back to hope. We want to have people in our lives who will call us back to it. Here's who God is. Here's ultimately what he's going to do. Things may not play out as we expect, we want them to, how we would choose it, but what he's going to do is good, and we can trust him. Let's encourage one another like that. This is what hope looks like. We're not wishful thinking like, oh, maybe this will happen, I kind of long for it. This is how it's going to be. And this kind of reality, we can build our lives on. Like, if I know that there's chocolate ice cream out there, I'm going to save room so that I have, I have room to eat the chocolate ice cream. Like, we're going to live our lives differently if we know something's going to happen. That's the kind of hope that we have. And why? It's him. It's him. From where does our hope come? It's him.